Hello, and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. I'm your host, MJ Doherty. In Shakespeare's Hamlet, Polonius states that now famous phrase, this above all, to thine own self be true. Sounds like common sense, right? Be true to yourself, or as pop culture today loves to state, do you. But how many of us actually stay true to ourselves? And what does that even mean? In many ways, we are the sum of many parts. We are a mix of our family, friends, and culture. But that's not what I think Shakespeare meant. It's great to learn from and model ourselves off of those around us who we admire. But those traits aren't who you are at the self level. Self is that part of you that is instinctual. The part of you that is unbending. It is that drive that keeps us going, and it is that feeling that leads us in and out of particular situations. It is our soul, the thing that makes us absolutely unique in this world. As we grow, many of us are taught to silence it. We take those things that make us who we are, and we push them down inside ourselves, or even disregard them, to live a life that fits social and cultural norms, or one that just makes life easier. We listen to others that try to dictate who we are and what we should do, and that sense of self that we have gets quieter and quieter. But there's some people who just don't allow that to happen, and my guest today, actor Montague, he's one of those people. He has a sense of self that he has trained to help him achieve his goals and live his passions no matter what or who stands in his way. He has resilience and a persistence that is admirable and inspirational. He is also quite an understanding guy. This is not the first time he's been here to record. He came in last week, but I lost the whole thing. And he's so. Yeah, I said those motivational things. He started crying. Yeah, I mean, he had me in tears, laughing, crying. It, it was perfect, but unfortunately, you'll never know. I know. We'll keep that to ourselves. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure we can recreate the same kind of magic. And uh, Monty, I really appreciate you coming again and understanding that you know uh this podcast is called life lessons from a total failure for a reason yeah, it fits it fits the brand it, it definitely sure. fits the brand <laughs> so all right monty gear he is an actor he is a writer he does just about everything hard-working guy and uh i'm lucky to call him a friend so monty welcome hello again again hello <laughs> all right so let's just start over and how about you uh, begin by telling everybody a little bit about yourself sure um well i was born in washington state some small Cowtown, like an hour north of Seattle, and uh, our neighbors would have we had they had cows and pigs and horses, and then the other neighbors had a bee farm. So during during the summers, we had this inflatable above ground pool, and inflatable it was inflatable. I realized that was the wrong <laughs> word choice. It was made of like uh, you know PVC. Oh right, it was an above ground pool. It was like a good three feet of water. All right, great. Say. <laughs> and uh, but these bees would come over to the pool because that was like their drinking water. So we'd oh. have to like fight them off with sprinklers and my friend was like deathly allergic to bees so uh, but hey that those are the things that make childhood memories right there yeah right so so that's why i grew up i always knew i loved acting but there right. was zero hollywood zero business in really Snow, I, would, I would, I would yeah. think that you know with, I mean, with cow farms and bee guys yeah, yeah be, i kept trying to yeah it'd be like the broadway of the pacific northwest yeah you know? right <laughs> so i would make home videos all the time with my dad's like really old like camera where we we, we couldn't edit we just didn't know how, so we just do everything in, in one take, like chronologically. So right. there was just, you know, we just shot it live. We also didn't have cable, so but I was obsessed with TV and entertainment, so I would watch old SNL like DVDs, like the best of like Chris oh, yeah. Farley or yeah, like yeah. John Belushi. Uh, the so, kinds you find like the grocery store, like yeah, in the right. Aisles, so yeah. It's like nine ninety five, right? Yeah. Nine ninety nine, <laughs> the best of yeah, SNL. I get all these. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's that was where I first fell in love with comedy was through the 1975 original like snl cast and then I, I wanted to get into acting but again there was no real school plays either there was like one improv group in seattle called like jet city improv and these guys are like they've been in the same troupe for like 20 years like they probably started it like you know right. 20 years ago yeah. they're like all 45 and like i came in audition when i was like 16 and they're like what are you doing <laughs> like oh i'm sure they were just so thrilled to see you they there. didn't get it yeah <laughs> so then uh didn't get that so i was like well that's all of washington's entertainment business is jet city so i started going to new york in when i was 16 because my grandparents were there and i would go to the new york film academy and take like summer classes 
and well that's pretty great i yeah. mean that's probably better than jet city improv. yeah yeah and that's that's when no I started, offense jet city yeah <laughs> so that's when i started training and my my mom wouldn't let me take acting classes because she thought it was a waste of money because you can't make money being an actor oh mom so i would take i would take like directing and writing classes and right. then write myself into everything and of course just, and that's, that's, how one I, does. that's how i learned acting was through my own writing so, so she was I, okay with you being a writer or, yeah, or she's being like, in the industry yeah because writers can make money apparently but not an actor funny yeah right. like a director such, has a, such a typical mom like thinking about the future yeah. you know yeah so so i guess like i never wanted to be a writer i just learned over the years because i wanted to be an actor so i had to write myself into everything yeah so i just got good at writing because i was forced to be good at writing right um and you are a, i mean you're a writer you're like a you're a fierce writer we we're doing a project together and he comes over and says oh hey you know why don't we get together we'll do some writing and say okay you know i have some coffee on i think we're gonna sit down we're gonna you know talk a little bit write write a page or two well, how many ideas did we come up with? We came up with 90 ideas. 90. He's yeah. he's like on fire. It's just like, right, 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 right. He goes full force. So you are, that's a, I mean, that's a major talent to be able to do that. Yeah. Um. And, and that goes with my whole philosophy and what we'll talk about is like, I, I, I don't, I was never the most skilled actor or the most skilled writer. I never had any connections to anyone. You know, I'm from this bee farm. Right. And, um, <laughs> but I just had this extreme work ethic and drive to succeed. Right. That if I could, you know, if I write 90 ideas, we were only picking six of them, six ideas will be good. It's just right. eventually you just write so much that you find little diamonds. From your your kind of your story of how you got to where you are now, that that mentality that you have is shown through everything you do. So why don't you continue continue telling us your story so we can see those gems. Sure. So along with work ethic, I just, I have like an... I, I believe in taking risks all the time. And when I was when I when I graduated high school, I moved to New York and didn't know anyone at all, which was a terrifying experience for me because I left all my friends behind who I was very close with, and I had no family there anymore because my grandparents just passed. And if you want to, like for me, I want to be an actor, so I, I just had to take these huge risks right. and make the leap. Yeah, make the leap, and I'd be afraid all the time. Like moving to New York and doing all these things I did later in life, it's terrifying. But you just have to be okay with the fear. One of my favorite Charlie Day quotes is he's like, it's, it's not that um, he's fearless. It's just that he's comfortable being afraid. Right. Which is why I do all these things. Like I skydive and I scuba dive. I'm, I'm terrified of oceans. Like that's my biggest fear is oceans. And I learned to scuba dive because I knew if I just got comfortable doing that, I could go into an audition room and audition from someone because I just got comfortable being afraid. Right, and it's kind of like you have to weigh what's more important, the fear or the desire. Yeah. Right? When you're up against something that is scary to you, you think, well, is it necessary for me to get to where I want to go? And if it is, you have to work through it. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people in life, that's where they stop is is they, they have this fear that everyone experiences who is like a successful comedian or whatever, and they just let that fear hold them back, and they decide not to make a choice and not to take a risk. Or they're like... I'm not comfortable yet. I'll wait like five right. years we'll until wait. I'm in the right position. And I'm not afraid, but you're always going to be afraid. Something that I always think about, Bob Harper from The Biggest Loser said, aren't you sick of waiting to start your life? And I feel like so many people are waiting till they they think they get all the ducks in the row and they're confident in what they're doing. And they say, okay, well, when I get all this done and I'll, I'll face my fear and I'll then I'll do whatever. Yeah, you, you just got to do it. Yeah, you have to go out and do it. Like people people think like success falls, like they're waiting for it's like success to fall in your lap. But if you're waiting for something to fall in your lap, that means you're always sitting. Right. And you're not actually going anywhere. And you're anywhere. not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So this fear from this little country bumpkin boy to <laughs> the bright lights in New York City. So, yeah, I moved to New York. Uh, basically, I was 16. I was there. But when I, 18, when I was 18, I permanently moved. And I, I just, I, honestly, that sounds to me like 18 years old in New York City from. Totally alone. Like, <laughs> wow, that, that is, that's intense. Yeah, from from the small town. Yeah, like, I've never seen a city. You know, we go to Seattle like once or twice a year. Right. For like a family trip, it wasn't like amazing. Wasn't so, so how did that go? Great. Uh, I went to school there, and then I went to NYU, and school kind of became like a secondary thing for me because like everyone was so focused on their projects and stuff. School, school to me felt like it was my day job, and then at night, my real job was I'd be in these comedy clubs. Like, right. I was doing like UCB and improv and stand up every single night 
And I, because I was 18, 19, I couldn't get into these clubs because most stand-up places are 21 and up. So I had to make a fake ID Which to, is hilarious. to get into these places because I'd be like, I'm headlining. And they're like, sorry, yeah, you're I 19. Mean, so when they're hiring talent, did they don't say like, how old are you? Or they just hire they just, you? They just assumed I was over 21. And then- Which is actually really funny. Booker, yeah, would be it, over 21. And he wouldn't think this- People are younger than that. If you don't know what Monty looks like, bring up a picture because to this day, he still doesn't look over 21. I <laughs> so I don't know why anyone would ever assume that you yeah. look like you're 21. All right. So you're, you know, you're committing some crimes to get on sure. stage. Again, I think why I succeeded as an actor is unrelentless um, drive to like never quit. I was trying to pay my bills through acting and like I would walk dogs and like make people's reels and right. do like weird come to people's houses and like fix things for money, you know? In order to live off of this and not get a night job because my I was at school during the day, I would have to live so cheap. I I would eat pasta, which was thirty cents a meal. I would eat. I love that you. Know I know. That I know. Was 30 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I would eat tuna, which was like maybe a dollar. I think it was like eighty cents, and then beans, which was like sixty cents, and that was all I would eat every That's single crazy. day. So I lived off of two or three dollars a day of food, and then like my roommate and I would we would. We would buy and return a TV every <laughs> single month to Best Buy. So, like, we would, and we didn't have money for like taxis, you know? So, we'd walk like 15, 20 blocks <laughs> with this like 50 inch TV in our hands. Our hands would be bleeding. As one does. As I mean, one does. Yeah. yeah. And then we get to Best Buy and they're like, what was wrong with it? And we're like, oh, we just wanted a plasma this time. And then, you know, next time we'd be like, yeah, it was just, it's too big. We're going to go with one two inches smaller. And eventually Best Buy started catching on to us and they're like, wow, you guys, you guys return a lot of TVs. So we have to start going go to, to another. We have to start going to different, <laughs> like <laughs> Brooklyn. <laughs> so like, we'd be on the subway or a bus with a TV for like 20 but, blocks. But, you know, I think people can relate to that. You know, when you're young and a lot of times you have no money, but, you know, one thing you do have when you're when you're young is you have guts and you can you figure things out. You'll get what you want. But I don't think many people thought of buying and returning TVs every thirty we would do days. That. We, and we do that everything. We do that with clothing. Like if you go to Bed Bath and Beyond, here's a little scam. If they have an unlimited, unlimited no receipt return policy. Get out. So I bought everything from Bed Bath and Beyond, knowing in New York, knowing eventually I'd be in LA. So my my sheets, my dishes, my like most of the furniture was Bed Bath & Beyond. When I finally moved to Los Angeles, I just returned everything that I've been – like, I returned my bed sheets I've been sleeping on for five <laughs> oh, that's years. That's so gross. That is disgusting. And oh, I got all my money back. Nice. <laughs> and they're like, what's wrong with it? I was like, you know, after such a long time, I realized I just wasn't comfortable in this bed. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Thank you, Bed Bath & Beyond, for supporting 20-year-olds. It's I know. very nice. <laughs> so anyway, I'm in New York doing these weird money scams. And uh, and <laughs> I, I, I wanted to my, – my end goal is, like, write for SNL because I was this 12-year-old who saw right. SNL. And I was like, I want to be on SNL. Yeah. So when I was, like, 18, 19, I applied to be an intern on SNL, and they're like, no. But what they did is they said, why don't you – so I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go to, like, Broadway Videos and try to be an intern there, which is the editing company for NBC. My first intern jobs were just like script reader and stuff at different companies, and then I, I, I went to Broadway Videos. Um, What'd you do there? I would get people coffee. I, I messed up so much because you had to like <laughs> the main thing I had to do was like file the, like the editing files, and I just because I didn't care about editing, I was just like you know half kind of do right. it and yeah. then like mess up their entire spread. Like well, and, and the funny thing is, if you know Monty, he can't sit still at all. So the thought of him in, in any kind of office building <laughs> to me blows my mind. I mean, even at my house today, he wanted a coffee and I'm making the coffee. He's pacing around. <laughs> His legs are bouncing up and down in the chair. Like he just yeah. can't sit still. So to I see love the energy the, of just that. Da, 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 yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't even imagine you trying to like filing things like, yeah, just. So I did well enough at Broadway videos that the, the yeah. president of the company liked me. And I was like, hey, can you give me a recommendation to SNL? And she was like, sure. And SNL's like, no. But she's like, here's what I can do is tomorrow you can go apply for this new job at Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, which was Jimmy Fallon's show. It was like his first season. It was just starting up. Right. Now it's the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Late night. And but this was when he was doing like the Late Late yeah. show, right? I was like, okay. So literally the next day after leaving Broadway Videos, I, w I went to Jimmy Fallon. And I'm sitting there. And they, they're like, okay, we'll have your interview in a second. And... And then I'm sitting on this couch, and someone comes up to me, and they're like, hey, hey, can you go on this coffee run real quick? Because they think I'm already an intern. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, like, and they're like, no, 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 he's, he's not in, like an intern. Don't, don't let him do coffee. And I was like, I'll do it anyway. It's care. an honor to do coffee. Yeah. <laughs> he has not earned that honor yet. Yeah. <laughs> so then, then I had my interview, 
and it went well. And they're but they're like, you have to hire this kid because he was ready to work before he even right. was hired. So I started working at Jimmy Fallon, and which okay, it's, it's not crazy. SNL, but I mean, please, it's, it's Jimmy huge. Fallon. It was it's no, and that was a dream. Come and true. how old were you? I was probably like nineteen, twenty. That's amazing. And and that was such a dream for me because I was in Thirty Rock. I was like. SNL's on like seven B, oh, so cool. like floor seven, and we were on like twelve or thirteen. So I would I would be doing runs to SNL all the time. And that's when I saw Saturday Night Live, like because I'd be delivering them packages from Fallon. And then so I'm, I'm 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 it's like my first day there, and I did a UCB one hundred one class like two years earlier. Just so you guys know, if you don't know UCB, it stands for Upright Citizens Brigade. It's a big and improv. It is, okay, it's, so yeah. it's an improv company that produces Amy really really yeah. funny funny improv artists yeah in my in my first class the like beginners basic class where you're like zip zap zop you kind of play clapping games and stuff you're not really doing any scene work i had um the a writer on fallon who i like i knew he was a writer on fallon but i didn't get this internship because of him and then he sees me interning there he's like oh my god you're you're hilarious from this 101 class we took two years ago how would you like to write jokes for me under the table and I was like, yes, like obviously. Right. So, so the very first day I'm. But in, what does that mean? Write jokes under the table. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. It's it's it's, it's weird. Um, so, yes, that is weird. It's a weird statement. Yeah. So these writers on staff of Jimmy Fallon get paid like eighteen thousand a week or something minimum. What? But they have people like me who are just these hungry comedians who are writing jokes for them, and we're we're, we're called ghost writers basically. You yeah. Know? And what? And, how much are you getting paid? Nothing. <laughs> like if we got a joke okay. on air, I would reevaluate this system. <laughs> yeah, we got paid nothing. If we got a joke on air, we may get two hundred fifty bucks, but nothing. We got paid nothing. Well, and, and in all fairness, being a, a writer for a show like that is a lot of pressure and it's a lot of work. So I can see how they're looking for yeah support. There's, there's, yeah, but eighteen thousand to nothing. Ish. Yeah, I don't know if that's very fair. Uh, well, I I was super excited to do it. Yeah. And I start writing him jokes under the table. And I do it for like a week. And he likes, he's like, these are actually really good. So I become something called a fax writer, which is back in the old, back in the day, <laughs> they used to fax um, the premises for jokes to these fax writers. And that basically the writer's assistant goes on all the newspapers and like websites of the day and like looks up the top like 10 news articles the headlines yeah the headlines the, the, right and the they're current like, and they're like write jokes for these and they would fax these to these people who are fax writers who are unpaid writers who then fax back their jokes it was all the it was the monologues it was oh the, the monologues. opening it was okay jimmy right, fallon's right. opening monologue so i started writing for jimmy fallon's opening monologue um, among other people who have been like on the fax writer list for probably a year you know these other right. comedian friends so we would get the premises at like 11 p.m. the night before, and then we had to turn them in by like 10 a.m. But I started my internship around like, you know, nine or whatever. So I basically, I read these premises in the morning, and as I'm delivering coffee, one one hand is holding six cups of coffee, the other has my phone, <laughs> and I'm typing jokes into my phone, you know, running across the street to like way across town in New York to right. deliver a package while I'm texting these, these jokes. These jokes. Were you still going to Barely. school? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I mean, that just was not a priority. I still did great in school. Right. Like, grade-wise. But, grade -wise, but I, it was not... School, to me, was like, I'm taking a class, but this is my... My job yeah, is writing yeah. these jokes, and, like... It's know. amazing that you didn't drop out. Because I, I think most people in your position... My hand is being raised right now, because I would have been the first one to be like, I'm out, I'm yeah. done. And everyone in school, they didn't intern. It was so confused. They wouldn't, like, their senior, maybe junior year, but I was right. doing it from year one, and... Just so smart. They were just so focused on their curriculum and their projects. And yeah. I would be shooting like projects like, you know, they'd be spending like a month on theirs. So it's been like two to three days on mine because I was doing all these other things. I was also at the same time running a, a sketch comedy group right. that was like shooting our own stuff that was way better than the stuff I was shooting in school. And we'd be, we were winning like competitions all the time across the nation. Amazing. And like, we were called Dead Panda Comedy. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you kind of went down that tangent for a minute because it really shows that the way that is laid out for you sometimes isn't the best way. So yeah. most people think I'm going to go to school and my whole attention is going to be to that because that's what's going to get me where I want to go. Uh -huh. That's not necessarily the case. And probably for you, the experience that you got during your school years, I mean, going to NYU, I mean, that is a huge thing. But all the stuff that you did on the side, 
that's probably the stuff that helps you out more in Oh, for sure. I learned so career. much more. And also, again, school, I wasn't in an acting program because my mom wouldn't let me be an actor. So I was in the, I was in the I was in the writing and directing program. Right. So your passion really wasn't lying there. Yeah, it was. I I still just I was just trying to do anything to act. I was I was writing jokes for Fallon just because I couldn't act. You know, I was doing improv because I couldn't act. No one was like booking me and acting stuff. So I was just trying to make my own content all the time. It's a great story for showing that you know if you really want something, you find a way to get it. Mm-hmm. And you were finding a way to do what you wanted to do. Yeah, you just have to have this relentless drive and like on the weekends because we were in college everyone would be like come out with us and it would be like 11 p.m and i'd right. be like writing my own sketch i'm going to shoot next week and i'd be like i don't want to you know right i was so i'll be working 12 to 15 hours every day since i was probably eight, 18 years old till now on on acting in my craft and everything just because i just had i just had to make it Right. It's it's what you want to spend your time on. Yeah. And, because it's what you love. And so many people who are just who are actors and they make it like a secondary priority or a hobby or they're like, Yeah, yeah, I'd love to act, but man, I really also want to go out with my friends and like, oh, I also really want to watch the football game. Oh, I also really wanna right. you know, go shopping and then eventually it's like you're not acting. You're you know, you're doing all these other stuff and then you're wondering why you didn't succeed as an actor. It's well, you've chose kinda of not to in some right. way. You you didn't put you didn't put your all in. Yeah, and my my biggest philosophy in life, with mainly with acting, is I would rather put in a hundred percent of my effort effort, and you know work twelve hours a day, not go out, ruin relationships with girlfriends, <laughs> and and put literally put everything into acting and not make it, and then you know later in my life be like, okay, I literally tried as right, hard as I possibly could. At least you did could. everything you could. Yeah, as compared to putting ninety percent of my effort into it, working really hard ten hours a day, and then not and going out now and then, and then not making it, and be like, Always oh wondering. man, what if I just worked ten percent harder? Right. And just yeah. that feeling of what if I worked harder, I don't ever want to have. Right, because regret. I tell people not to waste time on regret, but there's a difference between regretting regretting things that you can't control and regretting things that you could have controlled. Yeah. And that nagging thought in the back of your head that, well, if I had done a little bit more, I may have been able to achieve that. That sucks. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's definitely something I also am the same way. I don't want to have to deal with that. So I'd rather not sleep and yeah. buy ramen, do everything I have to do to get me in the position where I'm going to get what I really want for my life. Yeah, and I think that's really what takes to become a professional actor or writer or anything that's as competitive and hard as these jobs because everyone who makes it that I know sacrifice everything right. for it, like everything. And they're, they're the stories that people yeah. love to hear. It's the story when they're on their first major talk show. They say, oh, well, right before I was, I made it. I had nothing. I was packing up my car to go. Jay-Z was selling CDs from his car when he was like 26. And yeah. Like, yeah. It's the people that sacrifice everything but never stop yeah exactly you know and and that those are the people that i find really admirable because i think that you always have two options in life you can either accept things the way they are or you can change them and a lot of people will just accept at some point that okay well this is too hard i need to be more comfortable in life i need more me time or whatever so they'll just accept that their dream or what they really want is not going to happen But then there's people like you who are like, well, it's not working this way, I'm so I'm going to change yeah. it and find something else because this is the only option for me. Yeah, and you keep getting knocked down and you keep having this fear of what if I don't make it all the time, but you keep just going like, no, I'm going to push through. try again. Yeah. All right. So you were in New York, you're writing, you're doing good things, and then somehow you get out to LA. Yeah. So so the Facts Writer Program closes down because you're like, this is illegal. You should pay these people. Right. So there's no more writers that do the same. Which I'm kind of glad to hear. I'm not. not I want to keep writing for Fallon. (laughs) (laughs) So, so then I started writing for college humor. Um, the same type of program. We were like interns, but we'd write their articles. And then, so then I'm trying to audition and there's no shows for me. I'm, I'm booking lots of commercials and I'm now I'm living off of my commercial money. Right. And, but the only show at that time in New York for like a 19 year old was like gossip girl. But the actors who play gossip girl were like 37 and I could never be cast in a Gossip Girl, even though I was, right. I was a background actor in Gossip Girl. And that's when I learned how old these people are when you're standing next to them. Right, right. Um, and they're playing 18, yeah. 
So, By the way, the look on his face when he said 37 know, had, like, disgust, and I'm <laughs> taking that a little personally. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're pretending to be a 17-year-old, yeah, I'm saying. because um, I am very close to 37, so calm <laughs> I down. I don't mean that. Yeah, but you're not walking around like, hey, guys, I'm a high schooler. You know? Right, right, right. So I'm like, I have to move to Los Angeles, and I'm getting ready to move to L.A. SNL contacts me, and they're like, hey, we, we want to have a meeting with you about being on the digital short program, which would be my dream. And... I was like, okay, cool. So I, I meet with them, have an interview with them. And I know if you're also on the digital short program, you could help write weekend update jokes. Oh, cool. That's what they do. They're like, we would love to like, kind of like have you on this. What do you? What are your plans? I was like, honestly, in the next year, I'll be in Los Angeles because I'll be an actor. And they're like, okay, but you have, you have to stay here. And I was like, I'm not staying here. I'm sorry. Like, wow. I, I accept. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm going to leave. And so I left. I left SNL because I realized my dream wasn't. To write. To write. It was to be an actor. I'm taking a moment here. So from the time you're 12 years old, I want you want to be, to on, be SNL. on SNL. Uh-huh. And here you are getting told that you can work for yeah, SNL. write jokes for them too. And, and you're like, saying no. Yeah, I was like, I want to go to Los Angeles. That takes a lot of guts. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I have next like four to six months to get ready to move to LA. And then I'm planning my like move. And then we look at our lease and we end up, it's not, it's not ending in four or six months. It's ending in a week. So Surprise. In, in like five days, I'm like talking wow. SNL and then I'm in Los Angeles. And I, again, it's a whole nother thing of I'm losing all my friends, all my college like connections. All these people I've been writing for are now not connected to me. And I'm moving again to Los Angeles, not knowing a single person a- after years of, se- you know, quickly setting up connections. A, n- people, a network. A network yeah. in New York. I'm just gone. So how did your transition go? <laughs> rough <laughs> like it took me a couple weeks to get a car i was couch surfing for a long time again i have like money from commercials in, in new york they're like running so i'm kind of living off that for a few months and for a year i'm auditioning for stuff i don't have any like reps really i get like a manager who i'm still with right but it's like no one wants to see me for anything besides disney because i just had no credits and you look like you're four yeah and i look like i'm four right <laughs> um so I'm, I, I start booking more and more commercials uh so I'm living off commercial money again. What are some commercials that we have oh maybe God. seen you in? Like, I've been in, like, this Allstate commercial where I'm like, Sarah, like, and I lift up my shirt and there's a big heart on me. I'm like, go to prom with me. And I've done oh, multiple funny. subway commercials where, like, a baseball player, like, hits a ball through the window and I catch it. And um, I'm going to see if I can find a, a commercial of Monty's and I'll, I'll, I'll post yeah, it. Don't worry. Tons. Don't worry. We'll find I've, it. I've done those, like, it's my money and I need it now Oh, no. <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> Which don't pay. They That commercial paid $200 and it played nationwide for, like, a year. Because well, it was a non-union right, commercial. Right, non-union. Yeah. Um, so, at this time, I start, again, running out of money in L.A. I have no acting credit. I'm dating this this girl who she's she's living with like these series regulars on a Disney show who are like 16 and like made it and now I'm oh. feel terrible because these people all have these huge opportunities which of course they deserve but at right. the same time I'm like I can't even get in the door for any auditions and it's got to bother you because you've been working your butt off I've been working and so hard you're sitting here looking at a 16 year old on a Disney show like, and you've been here for a year or two man right and you you, you know your brain says but you know it's different I, I don't compare myself to other people I love these but people. then your gut yeah. says I hate you it's just like why have I you know where are my opportunities after I've been working right. relentlessly yeah. for years but opportunities came so yeah, I mean you're so, you're you're known because you're on a show and you had a, a a character that people loved on this show. So how did you get there? So I was at this time I ran out of money and I I don't want to say I was homeless because I wasn't living on the street, but I didn't have a home. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I started my girlfriend who was living with these like Disney stars. I started sneaking into their house like she knew I was there, but yeah. her roommate didn't know I was there. So for three months I would sneak into their house and we would pretend I was not living there because I couldn't pay oh, a third of the rent. My gosh. <laughs> so like there'd be times when like she, she'd be gone and I'd be showering and then yeah. her roommate would come home and I'd have to quickly close the door and I'd have to sit in the bathroom for two to three hours until her roommate left again. Well, couldn't you just say like you're sleeping over? I, I did that sometimes, but, yeah. but you know, after you do that 10, 12 times, it's right. like, well, wait a second. Why are you always here when like, they're either going to hate you or hate their roommate? Yeah. And I didn't want, I didn't want to cause around. that yeah. drama. So I'm auditioning. I'm like, all my clothes are in my car. And I'm changing and, and like a storage facility auditioning from my car. Basically, I have headshots and clothes in my car. And now and then I'll, you know, shower at my girlfriend's place. And 
while sneaking in through the back window every single night, pretending I wasn't living there. I was. This was my lowest point. <laughs> like maybe I don't know. I've had lots of low points. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> I, you know, that's I was tough. in a wheelchair last year. Oh yeah, when I story. met him, he had two broken feet because he jumped out of a. What? I didn't. I, didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was climbing down in a garage and uh, to get my car that was locked in a garage. Climbing down a garage to get my car. You know, normal things that people say. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, going back. so so I'm really bummed out that I'm not auditioning for these big roles, and I had this audition for the show called Awkward. It it was like this character that was really like I, I play Cole on the show. I book it. Heads up. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I'm like this really outrageous like character that makes these strong choices and. This is only from years and years and years and years of comedy training where I'm able to put all of this training that haven't, hasn't paid off into this character. Right. And I go into the casting room. He's, he's like a really just outrageous, offensive, hates the world character. Right. And I wear a shirt that says Mick shit. And it's a nice. McDonald's symbol. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, and then I, I walk into the room and I put my feet on the cast director's table on the other actor's headshots and papers. And I start the scene, oh, which is the man. boldest thing that I've ever is done in bold. my life. <laughs> Insanely bold. They're either going to love you or, or never hate see me you. again. Yes. Yeah. We do like she she loves me, and we do like seven takes because she wants to get it perfect for the producers. Yeah. I'm so stoked. Like we nail it, and I I go home. I'm like, this is awesome. And again, I've ha- I've had like this is awesome feeling like 40 times and never paid off to anything. Right. So then I have a call back for the show. And I did this. I did this movie a year ago. This non-union film that I booked myself that paid nothing, basically. And I met this guy named Evan Crooks, who's who was I was number one on the call sheet. He was number two. Right. So we were like the two leads, and we became friends. And now I'm going back to this callback for for awkward, and he's he's already there, and he booked the other role. It's like there's two characters, Theo and Cole, and he's Theo, and now Evan. And they're like the besties, right? Or yeah, like we're the, the best friends. Right. And now, so Evan's reading with. Eight other actors, yeah, including me, and you're one of them. And I'm, we're all auditioning with him. And so, so anyway, we, we go in, and I'm stoked to see him. I'm like, yo, what's up? And we like high five. We're so we're so happy to see each other because we right. did this movie together, which was a nightmare. Yeah, um, but you guys got along, and yeah. it was great. And like the, the film was a nightmare, just the shooting and like yeah, the cold, yeah, yeah. and it was yeah, it was called Raised by these, Wolves. It was a great film, yeah. And also, these situations are extremely nerve wracking and anxiety inducing. So when yeah. you walk in and see someone that you know. It's, it's got to be just like such yeah. a relief. And so I'm like stoked. I'm like, oh, we have chemistry. We're going to we're going to crush this. I already yeah. booked the you know, I already killed the earlier audition. We go in, we bomb it. Like he, <laughs> he gets really nervous. His hands start shaking. That makes me really nervous. So I start shaking. Neither of us make eye contact anymore because I think he thinks if he does poorly, he'll lose the role. And that's not true. He already has the role. Like right. it's just about being connected with me. Yeah. And he's not. And we're, we we he, we start dropping lines. It's like it's. We end up switching roles, and it, like he can't do it, and then I can't do it, and we literally—it's—it's it's literally the worst audition I've had in my entire life. Really, out of 500, 600 auditions, you know, the worst audition, and we bomb it, and I go home, and I'm bawling, don't have a home, I'm 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 living with these like this like 17 year old who's like a millionaire, and like <laughs> right. I feel, you know, and I'm like, where's mine, you know? Yeah, and and then and I was so mad because too because I love Evan so much. But like he's not like we're we're similar actors. He's not like better than me. Yeah. And and he already booked the role because he just had a better agency than I did. Which means he got seen for the role before I could even get in the room, and he booked it. And then they called me in to read with him. So you frustrating. Know? So I wasn't even in the rooms until yeah until after him, and that was so frustrating. Again, because I just worked so much harder than anyone else that I like know yeah. that it's yeah. like it was just so hard and, and and just so people how they know how it works when when they're doing auditions the agencies there's like a, a tiering system so yeah people from tier a agencies go first and then if they find no one they go to b and then if they don't find anyone they go to c yeah so that's kind of how it and works was, so that's what he, he meant was saying. like an a agency and i was in like a c minus one like right I don't so think, I he just had got to go yeah. in way before the other people did so by the time monty got there he probably was already settling in, like, all right, yeah. I got my role. Actually, my agency was like a B. I remember them. They're actually pretty cool. All right. Anyway, <laughs> all right. I, I forgot who it was. And so, yeah, I, I'm like crushed because I thought I didn't get the role, and he already got it, and blah, 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 blah. So then, anyway, he texts me, and he's like, hey, you got the role. And I was like, what? Because, hey, why would an actor text that? He's like, yeah. I don't know. I just got this feeling. They really liked you a lot. I was like, what are you talking about? Don't text me this. And don't like, mess with me right now. An emotional basket case. Yeah. <laughs> And basically what it was is just our chemistry from this non-union film, non-union film I booked online 
was what wanted them us to have the role because of that moment when we walked in. I was walked like, yo, in. yeah. And then the audition bombed, but they already saw me do so well solo. They saw you when you were comfortable yeah, with him. Yeah, they're like, he can do this. And this is uh, so anyway, they they cast me, and. I was stoked. Yeah, I was on a real show. It was only for like three to five episodes, they said. Yeah. But but still, it's I, a major start. Major start. And I in, and so the first day I go in, I'm so stressed because I don't understand this character yet. He's so outrageous and so large that we don't get him yet. And we do the first scene, and he the, the showrunner keeps giving us notes, and we're not really landing it. And, and, like, and just so people know, it's not just that he's going in trying to figure out this character, but Walking onto a set, yeah, it's terrifying. It's this so is the first terrifying. Set I've ever been? I on. mean, yeah. it is like it's so overwhelming. It's so, you realize how big the industry is, and then you need to like perform and land, or you're screwing everybody else. And up. they they fire people so quickly. You get fired at table reads. You get fired on the first day of set if you because there's millions of dollars at stake. Yeah. If you mess up, they'll replace you with the other hundred actors who are just as good as you. So it yeah. is. It's so stressful. You're so excited, but then you walk through that door and you're like, oh man, yeah. this is real now. And we do that scene, and we don't do. I could tell he's not satisfied with our version of it because we don't understand this character. And then I'm bummed out. So we do this next scene that it's it's just supposed to be the back of our heads like it's literally about all the main characters and we they just show the back of our heads right and in that scene like you're observing them or something we're like we're watching some something on the pro- the projector oh right so it's like it, we're playing a movie that's offending the like serious regulars and okay. it's supposed to show the it's, it's supposed to highlight the movie we're playing right and in and they start yelling at us about how bad the movie is and in the moment Awkward is not an improv show we we right. could, like we do not the, the the writing is so well and so fluid that you don't you know, it flows like music that you you don't yeah you improvise. don't yeah. So anyway, you I, don't do that in a scripted show normally ever because ever, you yeah. really offend the writers. <laughs> yeah. So they're yelling at us. It's again. It's like my first day. I'm stressed about losing my job, so I take a huge risk and I start improvising. And I've had like you know these seven years of improv training or whatever since I was like 16. Yeah. And they love it. And they're like, oh, my God, this is so good. And they, they punch into our faces so they could kind of hear us screaming. And I, I, I do totally new stuff and say even funnier jokes. And they're like, that's so good. And they punch in even closer to us. And then we do more. And then they start lobbing us. They put mics on us. And right. they start recording our dialogue. And they do more. And they what turned out to be a scene that was supposed to be the back of our heads turned into like 45 minutes of just filming us improvise. Oh, man. Which was the entire scene after that. That must have right there made you feel like, all right. Yeah. I landed. That was the moment that solidified me is, oh, okay, I'm going to be on the show for a little bit. And all of that time and energy just paid off yeah. right now in that moment. Exactly. The six years of comedy training paid off right there. And and after that, I did 22 episodes of the show. I was on it until it ended. Um, and it was one of, yeah, most yeah. Successful, successful MTV. Yeah. yeah, we had number and one comedy on Number MTV. one comedy on MTV. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, these characters on this show, I mean, the show is a very big show. And you know the main characters have you know a lot of fans but your character is interesting because everybody who watches that show whoever ever talked to they know exactly who you are uh-huh. because that character was such an interesting yeah different character yeah i just made him completely my own yeah. and that's really cool i yeah. mean so you you go from country bumpkin who yeah. went to the city and and was laundering tvs and, you know, doing, like, all this crazy stuff, working, you know, your fingers to the bone. And then you finally get the payoff. Yeah. How was it for you after you booked Awkward? Was it just, like, everything started flowing? Yeah, well, definitely every room opened up for me. Like, I auditioned for every series regular now. I, like, I went out for, like, Han Solo in the new Star Wars film. Like so just, you you get in the door from, now. It went from no no opportunities to every opportunity. Amazing. Um, you know, <laughs> I can't you, say everything I got. Yeah, he goes out for a lot, <laughs> a lot of stuff. <laughs> but um, and it just gave me this confidence of okay, I understand if I don't book anything for a couple years, if I'm just still training, it'll pay off again. The average actor books, I think, one in sixty auditions. Yeah, they say it's a, is, it's a numbers game. And the and the way I see it is those fifty nine auditions aren't failures there it's all training for that one audition you booked right. so that by the time you book that audition you're you're ready and you you fly yeah on the you know and that's why if i'm not on set i'm just i'm i'm again i'm writing i'm starring my own stuff i still shoot my own stuff all the time like we're shooting our own pilot in like a week or two and i'm 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 hanging out with actors and we're just running lines because i just need to train all the time right because because what like serious regulars have 
is like if you're on a show you're acting 12 to 15 hours a day and you're just getting better and better and better and better and that's why these people keep booking bigger and bigger stuff because they're training all the time right just fine-tuning your skills yeah constantly and i was always aware of that that i didn't have these opportunities of being on a show since i was 16 so i was just like well i'm going to make my own show so that i'm training all the time so that i'm still acting 12 to 15 hours a day and writing and producing so that i can make sure i'm not just sitting on the couch waiting for an audition well and it's kind of how you know i got into this industry so late and as i start to do well i panic all the time because i'm so far behind other people Mm -hmm. because i haven't really done much yet so that's why I'm always following Monty around. Like, what are you doing? Can I come? Yeah, Can I com- watch? You're coming to set in like <laughs> I'm like, two weeks. I'm to set in two weeks. Like, just stand there and watch. It's why like, I would do background work because mm. background to me was, okay, some money in my pocket. But I, I would stand there when other background artists are sitting back and holding and they're on their phones reading their book. I am watching every single person to figure out what their job is, how the actors are coming in, how they're coming off, what's the stand-in doing, what does the PA do? Watching everything because yeah. it's free education. Exactly. And it's, it's, I think that that's a really great way to look at things, you know? Yeah. So your auditions, you know, auditions are hard and they're stressful and it sucks to be rejected over and over and over again. But if you look at them as practice, mm-hmm. well, practice makes perfect. And every 50 bad auditions will get you the one that lands. Yeah. And with, with all the stuff, you just have to, you just have to believe in yourself so much to A, never quit. But B, to know that if you're not auditioning right now or if you're not on a show right now, that the, the work you're putting into your craft will pay off eventually. All right. work in anything pays off eventually. Absolutely. You just have to keep working. One of the reasons that I think people are drawn to you and that they really um, like you is because my they, sex appeal. Oh, I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, that goes without saying. But no, it's just you are it's so. so <laughs> that goes without saying. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, you're so passionate about yeah. what you do, and it makes you know other people excited. But you also are so giving. You will help anybody out, and you want to see other people succeed. The people around you, and that that's a really really tremendous way to be and it's a, it's a great quality and i think it's it's something that's going to help you mm-hmm. do major things in your life because across the board with, with people a lot of times people are afraid to see the other people around them succeed because they feel like it's going to stifle them or they get jealous or whatever but it's the people that can be confident in what they're doing and worry about themselves yeah. and and support the people around them they get the farthest yeah. and, and and you do that and it's an, it's an amazing thing and just don't let anything stop you too like going back when i broke my feet this was after Awkward. I couldn't audition anymore because my feet were broken. Yes. And I even went to a few auditions <laughs> with and because I knew if I walk in in a, a wheelchair or be with a boot on, they'd be like, "We can't cast this guy. He's yeah. wearing a boot." So I would I would take off my shoes, take a ton of pain meds, and but but like soft pain meds that wouldn't like mess with my mind. Right. You know, like yeah. just Advil. Advil. And and then I would go to auditions after cramming my feet into these shoes and audition. All right. And I'm just and pretend I'm not in a huge amount of pain as I'm acting. I'm gonna put this out there right now. I don't suggest that. I don't anybody, either. Okay. <laughs> and when I met him, I met him on a red carpet that he walked down, and then he sat down. I sat next to him, and he was like, "Yeah, I have two broken feet." I was yeah. like, "You're crazy." <laughs> it was like a walkathon too. It was yeah. Like, yeah. I was, yeah. Like, I was like, "You met. are nuts." Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, so I broke both my feet and I can't audition except for these extreme moments when I do so again I don't want to sit and be still so I started writing my own content again and we we ended up dropping all these like for this like two months I'm in this wheelchair I'm just writing every day because I can't act and we we end up making this like a YouTube channel called Final Boss Films and the series is called On Hiatus with Monty Gear which I was on, hi- on hiatus so great yeah and they're so funny and you should totally check them out so I'm not on TV because I'm broken and I, we start making these these sketches, and then this opens a whole new door. We start we start being on, we, we're on the homepage of Funny or Die with every single sketch because yeah. every single sketch is hilarious. We one gets two million views, and they're not just hilarious; they're really well done. Thank you. I mean, yeah. they're everything about them is well done, and that's what really sets you apart. I mean, a lot of people put out content. But you put out good content, and and that makes you stand alone. Yeah, and why it was called on hiatus was because we would we would pull other actors who are my friends from shows who are on hiatus. And yeah, it was just like, hey, if you're not on a show, come be on my show. So that starts as having pitched TV shows to a couple different companies, and and now this is a whole this is a year later after that, and we're like about to start. We're like doing this real huge pilot, and we're pitching to everyone. Yeah, um, which so, I know so we can't talk exciting. about. I know. Yeah, but. 
I know what it is, and it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we have it's, huge stars attached, and it, I yeah. think it's gonna it's gonna be amazing. And I want it to be because you really deserve it. Thank you. And, yeah, and it's just but it just goes with if 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 you have a roadblock come up to you, like your both your feet are broken, or you know, or <laughs> right. yeah, or anything in your life, you just have to somehow find a way to yep keep going, figure it like out. Like they say, like when a you know a door opens, a window opens. Like when, when a door, door closes, closes, a yep, window opens. opens. Well, if you yep. can't find the window, just like break one and get right. in there anyway. It's just yeah. drywall. You know, yeah. Put your hand through it. <laughs> you should have an axe in your car at all times. Totally, right? right? Uh, well, Monty, you really are inspirational and you're talented and I I can't wait to uh, watch you soar because I know it's going to happen and I hope that I will be able to watch as your friend as we continue going forward in this uh, LA life of ours. So, we have a couple questions for you. So we have Kathy from Minneapolis. It says, Monty, I really like your character in Awkward and have followed you ever since. I love your web series and watched oh, your cool. movie this year. Also, between TV, movies, and your web series, what's your favorite? Hey, TV is, of course, the most fun because you get millions of dollars to play with, you know? Right. You get millions <laughs> you, of dollars to not, literally play. And, uh. and you're getting paid money, so you're not, you're not putting your own money into things. But... Right. I love making my own content. I would I would love to be someone like Seth Rogen, who's a writer actor, just because I just feel like after years of comedy training, I now have this voice that I really want to say, and I don't want to. Of course, I want to be in other people's projects, but and say their words, but I also want to say my jokes because right. I I want to be the one who makes you laugh. You know, right? Yeah, that will so that definitely make so my own content is the most fun across yeah. the board. More fun. All right, and then we have Kaylee from Florida. She says, "Hey, Monty, you're hot." Nice. Oh, well. Great question. Uh, <laughs> moving, moving on. <laughs> uh, loved Awkward, and some of the best scenes were Cole and Theo. And Theo, I think you, you said Theo was Evan, the one we were talking about yeah. before, right? Okay. She says, seems like you guys were really friends. Were you? Well, I guess we kind of already answered this question. Yeah, we huh? were. I don't remember this question either. Yeah, because we, we met on this film. We were totally friends. Uh, and that, that was we were able to be like, hey, what if you tried this? And I tried this. And we would just always make these characters much bigger than they were on script because we knew each other and were comfortable giving each other ideas and just had this chemistry already. Like, all day on set, we just hang out and right. along with all the other cast members. So that's kind of – it's shown through. Yeah. And, and no, I love that. Definitely yeah. made, a, made a difference. Well, everyone, everyone on Awkward is amazing. Like, I still hang out with everyone. Like, they're, they're all some of my best friends. Like, yeah. they, the whole cast and crew, there was no – problems really on set everyone just loves each other we're so happy to be on set we're so extremely funny and talented and that's how it should be right yeah. you should be so happy that you get to do this amazing thing that people dream of doing and just keep egos out of it and attitudes at home and just have so much fun and enjoy yeah. it yeah you're on i'm on so many sets where people are complaining all day because like craft the food isn't as good as they thought it would be right. and, and you're like what is wrong with you i, I would uh, people I won't say eat that today and i'll be happy right yeah. people will say to me like oh craft service is terrible and i i say they're feeding you yeah. what job do you go get paid get to have fun and they feed you yeah, like calm down trays and trays and trays of food right. yeah multiple meals and snacks all at all eat. times yeah. it's it really is a funny you know, sometimes you have to step out and realize just how ridiculous the whole industry is and yeah. how amazing it is. And how lucky you are right. to be so there lucky. if you're like, there. It, again, what other jobs do you have that, like, you get paid, you get to have so much fun, you get to – it opens up doors for you to do all these amazing things outside of work, and they're feeding you constantly. Yeah, and you like, get to make people happy. Like, I love doing yeah. comedy because I'm making people – awkward scene across the world, like, and I'm just making people laugh across the world. And that's – I don't know, that's it's a great incredible. feeling. So those are some great questions, but uh, I have some questions for you too. So first, um, tell me about a time in your life that you failed or screwed up, and tell me how you think about that time now. Um, all right, he had me pause it. And I, and I, <laughs> I just, I'm not pausing anymore because he can't think of a time that he screwed up or failed. And well, I just told two stories. I felt <laughs> okay. You broke your feet. That's not like. I, screwed up or failed that's an accident <laughs> okay like he can't think of a time okay. that he screwed up in his life okay well <laughs> now now you're setting it up to anyway one time we, we we were asked to write this pilot and we shot it and wrote it and we did it really quick and we totally just ignored their notes and did our own thing and that ended up not getting picked up and for a while i thought why didn't i just do what they wanted and why didn't i you know make it less like artsy and funny and just do follow the mainstream directions. yeah just yeah. follow directions and because that was like my show and and now i realize that 
if people don't want what you're selling, I, I shouldn't, I should never have hated myself for not like doing what they wanted. I should right. just always want to make what I want to make and I, and bring it to people. And if they don't want that, I'll eventually sell another show or do another thing later on. Yeah. I, I shouldn't, you shouldn't fit what you want into someone, someone else's, else's pig. Yeah. Right. And I mean, what if that show got picked up and got successful and you did something that wasn't true to you, then you would be known for that. Yeah. And for years and it would, it would change. Yeah. It would yeah. change. So yeah. Okay. That's a good one. So see, sure. after that, 25 minutes, I finally <laughs> thought of one. <laughs> finally realized that he's a failure too, <laughs> like the rest of us. All right. Your perfect day, exploring a city, relaxing on the beach, climbing a mountain or building a snowman. Mm. I love exploring. Um, I, I, I love to, I love to travel to like, like, I love going to like third world countries, which is, hey, I've had tons of failures there. I didn't even realize of like <laughs> places I shouldn't be in. Right. But it's like, I love them like, yeah, Thailand or Cambodia, just because being an actor, I just love imagination and seeing things I haven't seen before. And when you go to different countries and, and explore, you're literally seeing a world you haven't seen before. Right. And that's, I just love you're that. You're broadening feeling. your mind and your perspective. Yeah, and, and you totally understand America and your life a lot more yeah. where you're from. So, yeah, def definitely traveling and exploring. And the most serious, important question <laughs> of all, what is your favorite theme song? Um, I think Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, Unbreakable. Oh, so good. Um, it's a miracle. The reason I watched that show uh -huh. in the first place was because I saw the opening credits. And I was like, what is this show? I was like, this is great. And it's so, cool. They do it in a new, like, modern. It's like a YouTube video. Oh, it's, yeah, so, it's, it's amazing. so good. It's a great show. All right. Well, thank you so much, Monty, for coming again. I really appreciate your support and understanding that failure is my thing. And yeah. I'm going to continue to screw up. And, you know, we're friends now. So you're stuck with it. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, if you delete this one, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> and we can record it. All right. Well, thank you. And make sure to follow along with Monty Gear at Monty Gear on all social media, YouTube.com. It's what is it? Final Boss? Final Boss Films are on hiatus Boss with Films. Monty Gear. On hiatus with Monty Gear. I'll make sure I put all this stuff um, on social media. And uh, again, it was great having you. Thank you so much. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, make sure to hit subscribe and rate, review us, and follow along on social media at LLTF the podcast. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money. And that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTF the podcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTF the podcast. Transition. Damn it.